This episode is brought to you by Podcorn. You've heard us talk about them before, and we are going to continue singing their praises. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters, like us, with real sponsors, like The Athletic, Fruit of the Bean, The Strange Year Podcast, and those are just the ones we've connected with so far. It allows podcasts of all sizes, even plus sizes like us, choose opportunities, set our own rates, and collaborate directly with brands. You never give up rights, and Podcorn is always there to help if needed. Click the link in the show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorships today. Welcome to episode 39 of the Spivey Special Podcast. We had the summer off, or part of the summer off, and we are back at it, and we missed it. We're in such better shape now, too. I just want you guys to know that we are now on video. You can catch us on the YouTube. It's pretty exciting. We're adding more stuff every week, it seems like, um, which is a lot of fun. So not only can you listen to our voices through the podcast platform, you can also watch us through our YouTube, which is... This Bobby Special Podcast, you can find us on YouTube and watch um, the show as well. Spooky. Spooky. So we uh, also, during our time off, decided to redo a couple of our segments. So Food Court Files will be like an actual judge type thing, which is kind of what the name was originally, and we just never went with it. We'll break it down later in the episode what actually it's going to be, but... The spark notes of it are we're basically just getting outrageous recipes off of Facebook and different things, and we're actually making them instead of just tagging our friends in them. Absolutely. And then Sports Shock, we're just going to find topics that are fun for us, not necessarily current events because it's uh, hard to keep up with everything going on. Yeah, we're going to try to record a few weeks in advance. So we're trying to get things that have already happened in the past, so... We got just two segments now, just food court files and the old sports jug. You guys have a little quicker episode. Quicker for us and quicker for you as well. Make it happen, Captain. All right. Uh, you ready to get down into it? Let's do it. All right. We're going to jump into our first segment, which is All food court rise. Files. It's time for the food court files. All right. This week for food court files... We're going to try to get down to the meaning of the name of Food Court Files and kind of change up the show a little bit, at least for a couple weeks. We're going to turn it into, well, it's still food, but more courty and filey. And mm. we're going to do it more like a, kind of like a judge show, like a cake boss or one of them contests on there. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to look at outrageous recipes online, Facebook, anywhere we can get them. Instead of just sharing them and tagging people in them, we're going to get down to the old nitty gritty and we're going to make them and we're going to eat them and we're probably going to gain weight because that's what we do. So after we uh, make these weird concoctions and then we eat them, we're going to judge them and we'll kind of go over our scoring system for it later in the episode. But let's talk about what we're making this week. And what kind of prompted the change? Um, we started really simple because we do not believe in our cooking skills at all. 
Oh. So we picked the one that had three ingredients. So we are making bacon-wrapped grilled cheese. So what you're going to need is you're going to need 10 strips of bacon, which sounds outrageous for one sandwich, and it was, but it was delicious. You're going to need two slices of bread, and you're going to need what it said, a lot of cheese. That's basically what it says. So we got this recipe on BuzzFeed.com, and it doesn't really give us that great of directions, but... It was like a short video. It was just like bibbidi-bobbidi sandwich. Eat it. Eat it. Okay. <laughs> so we took the very vague directions. We did our, we did our best. I think there's some things that we'll change, which we'll talk about while we're doing it. But let's talk about how we put this thing together. How do you make ten strips of bacon, bread, and a cheese turn into a gourmet perfection? So before we get going to, we'll we'll say what um, ingredients we use. Those are the three ingredients, but there's obviously different varieties of what you could use. And we'll talk kind of about what we did use and what we would change in the future. So we used uh, 10 strips of bacon. It was a little bit thicker of bacon. It was applewood bacon. We used like uncured, kind of like fancy bacon. Yeah, it was. We When we put it down, we had to put our pinky out when we had it. Um, the bread we used was two pieces of white bread. It was like oat brand. That Artisan. Kind of bread. Something like that. Some sort of healthy bread. And then for the it wasn't that healthy. <laughs> no. Whatever we had in the fridge. And then for the cheese, we went with the old, I think it was mild cheddar. Yeah, we, we took a block of cheese. A whole block of cheese. And we cut the block of cheese into small slices. And then we used the entire block except for a couple ones that we used for a photo op. <laughs> so those are the ingredients we used. Um, we'll be showing pictures during this video and up on our website of what we did and how we did it. But let's kind of just break down this process that we used to make this sandwich. Um, so it gives you seven directions. So the first direction is you lay five strips of bacon on a cutting board. So we did that. Um, they had to, we tried to keep them overlapped a little bit because the bacon would kind of shrink when we cooked it. So we wanted to make sure that it didn't fall apart and we didn't expose too much of the bread. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but five strips of bacon on the cutting board overlapped. Um, you're next, you're going to make the sandwich. So you put the cheese in between the two pieces of bread. Pretty simple. But as we were looking at this recipe, we got a pro tip before we started. We made sure we toasted the bread before we started this process because we were worried that the bacon grease was going to make the untoasted bread a little bit too soggy in the middle. Right. So we figured if we toasted it, it would avoid soaking it up like immediately and at least hold its form a little bit longer and still be a sandwich eventually it's going to be overwhelmed with 10 pieces of bacon <laughs> worth of bacon grease but uh, we figured it at least hold its course and uh it did a pretty good job but it, it, it's it held we, up so we get down to it we'll kind of break it down for you um so the third step just was wrap that's all it says so um, what you're going to do is you're going to put we did it a little bit differently um, you're supposed to put the bacon at the. You're supposed to put the sandwich at the end of the bacon and kind of roll it up. We put the sandwich in the middle of the bacon and just folded the flaps to the top. I think you can do it either way. I think the rolling would have been a more effective method. If we had longer bacon, I don't think it would have mattered. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, the longer bacon is going to work better for you to wrap the sandwich or smaller bread. Ideally, bigger bacon. 
All right. So then your next thing is you're going to, you're going to lay down another five strips of bacon and you're going to wrap it up to almost like kind of like a cross. So the five are going to be perpendicular to the other five that you already put up there. And your sandwich should be basically completely covered. Something that we ran into is the corners were exposed. So if we were going to do it again, we would do 12 to 13 pieces of bacon and get the corners or use more bacon or whiter bacon or some sort of other method to make sure that the corners are covered up maybe not overlap as much but we were just again our first time doing it um so yeah you're gonna have so at this point you have a sandwich full of the whole block of cheese the way we did it and you have anywhere from 10 to 13 of bake pieces of bacon wrapped up on it right so after we get this concoction together, um, we got to get our fry pan. We need a pretty big one with a high lip because we have 10 pieces of bacon worth of bacon grease that's going to start um, filling up this, the fry pan while we're cooking it. Make sure that you heat it up beforehand so that um, it just goes right into frying the bacon. Yeah, and you want to make sure that it's at a medium heat. You don't want to do it too hot. Otherwise, the bacon will burn before it gets cooked all the way through. So just keep it at a medium heat. Um, what you're going to want to do here is you're going to put the sandwich on five to seven minutes per side. We did like 6.30 when we did it. We probably should have done it a touch longer. Our bacon was kind of thick. It didn't all the way cook the other side. It was still like, it wasn't like E. coli bacon, but it was... It was good. Especially the part that overlapped. That's what we noticed. That's the part that seemed to not really cook as well as the other parts of the bacon. So we're going to do both sides like you would on a grilled cheese. But since we have bacon wrapped all the way around each side, we also had to get some like barbecue tongs and hold this thing with a bubbly bacon grease flying everywhere and uh, hold it on each side for about 30 seconds to make sure those ends kind of got crispy as well. So at this point, we got the sandwich. We were done cooking it. We got it out with... Make sure, too, when you're flipping it that your spatula is pretty macho because the spatula that we use was a... It's a plastic spatula. It almost snapped because of how heavy the sandwich was. It was like uh, the fry cook guy in Good Burger movie when he had the Mondo burger and it kind of just bent the spatula down. That's basically what happened with our grilled cheese wrapped in bacon. So we took this, took the sandwich out. Um, we were very impressed that it stayed, for the most part, together. We did the old diagonal cut. We, we let it cool for about two minutes or so until the bacon was almost cool enough that I could kind of hold it in place with my fingers and not burn my hand off. And then we gave it the old diagonal cut. We cheers it, and we each ate half of it, and it was pretty delicious. So a few things that we would probably do if we were going to do it again, we kind of talked about them a little bit before, but probably thinner bacon but longer bacon. Yeah, the thicker bacon doesn't really lend itself to stretching as much as this. the thinner bacon would. Uh, able to stretch it across the bread and be able to cover everything up and the hard part too with the thicker bacon is that when you overlap it it's just harder for it to cook underneath the other bacon that we have um we probably would have done a different bread choice yeah um the bread did okay through this process but even with the toast job it got a tad bit soggy but the nice thing about that was that the bread i mean the bacon on the outside gave it still a nice little crunch and made the sandwich very delectable 
You were thinking either toast it a little bit more, have a thicker bread like a Texas toast or... French toast. Or like a waffle or something. Yeah, something just wild if you really wanted to get crazy. And then we would probably also change up the cheese that we used in the middle, maybe like a pepper jack or something more fun. Yeah, our expectation of cutting the sandwich open and then um, spreading it apart is that the cheese would just kind of like pull apart like a pizza commercial. And it was more like um, the movie The Blob when it opened up. And it, I mean, it was amazing. It was an entire block of cheese that we ate in one sandwich, but... It was a lot of cheese. So that was the sandwich. It was very good. And now we're going to get down to the old rating system, Zach. So we're going to be rating all the foods that we eat on a scale of one to five. Um, we're going to rate them um, in a number of spivey specials. And I was actually thinking this week, what if we did the number of parts of watermelon vodka in our spivey special? Each of the numbers. You're just doing a Is lot that of too math. Much? That's a lot Is that of too math. Too much math. Yeah, let's just stick with spivey specials. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> I know you're not good at math. Five's <laughs> tough. Too many. All right, I think I'm gonna go first. So um, I'm gonna rate this based on um, the directions, the overall product, and the ease of actually making it. Uh, we're gonna go three and a half out of five. Now, wasn't that? E- it was pretty easy to make. It was a little dangerous with the the barbecue tongs doing the sides, holding that thing over the bacon grease. Um, But, God, that was good. (laughs) When you bite into five pieces of bacon and you're a half of a sandwich (laughs) and half a block of cheese, it it was good. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit higher with the rating. I'm going to give it four spivey specials. I think that, again, the ease of making it, um, only having three ingredients and only having to clean one pan when you're done and one cutting board. Well, two, I guess, because we had the cheese on one. But anyways, two cutting boards and a pan. That's pretty good cleaning up. Um, so I'm going to give it four. The taste was really good. The bacon gave it a nice crunch. Um, the sandwich in general stayed together. So you could pick it up and eat it. It wasn't like you know a crazy hot dog, chili dog, or somewhere you had to eat it with a knife and a fork. You could pick it up. It stayed together. Right. It also looked just like the video when we cooked it and when we cut into it. Other than the the stretchiness of the cheese, it was it was basically right on. Yeah, we'll put up a picture of side by side of what they said it should look like and what ours looked like. I thought ours looked better. Now, if we were on nailed it, we would have done all right. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's all we got. That was a fun first uh, recipe. If you find any weird recipes on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, tag us in it, at Spivey Special, and maybe we'll make it, maybe we'll review it, and you'll find out if it's actually worth eating. Starting a podcast can be exciting, challenging, and at first feels like you have no idea what the heck is going on. Is it worth it? Can we make money doing this? After 10 shows, we had no idea the answer to this. Then we found Podcorn.com. Within a week, we had a paying ad on our show, and we finally felt big time. With Podcorn.com, advertisers are looking for shows to partner with. All you need to do is write a proposal as to why you're the show for them. Once you get approved, the money gets sent right to your PayPal account. Thank you, Podcorn. You have made these two brothers feel big time like only Amir has before. Sports Jog with the Spivey Brothers. Cubs are good. Get the ball to big country. Generic soccer take. All right, that's enough. I'm out of breath. All right, this week for Sports Jog, 
we're going to be talking some Kings basketball, but for uh, to kind of explain, we're going to make a little bit of a detour on Sports Jog. We're going to probably skip live sports for a while. There's just a lot going on. The news is updating seemingly hourly, and that makes it difficult for us with a weekly show to really keep up with that. So we're going to pick a couple of topics that we've wanted to talk about, um, some fun things from the past, memories, specific games, um, some what-ifs. We're going to kind of cover that kind of stuff for a while. Yeah, we'll just kind of talk about things that we want to talk about. We love the Kings. Um, there's going to be some different you know, games and memories that we kind of wanted to talk about that a lot of people know about, and we just kind of want to dive in and just give the you know, whole realm of what went on. So what we're going to do tonight is we are going to be doing a Kings redraft, and it's going to be historical redraft. So what we decided to do is we're going to jump in our time machine, and we're going to be the GM from whatever year that we want. Um, we're going to start in 1985 up to the current. We decided we can pick one year. We can use any of the picks that are available that year. Um, no trading picks or undoing trades. We can't uh, undo a trade back and just have who we could have had originally. That's, we decided was unfair. Uh, we assume that whoever's pick that we take instead, that they just take the player that the Kings would have picked. Usually how that's work on big boards. And we just don't want to do the, an entire redraft and try to figure out who they were getting in the second round and that kind of stuff. And then we also decided to um, avoid the ones that are kind of too early to call, specifically the Bagley Luca, which as we sit right now, looks like a pretty bad one, but let's let Bagley play a healthy season if he's capable of doing that before we make that judgment. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get that, but we, we hope that as Kings fans. But like you said, a little too early to call, so the, uh, the Luca Bagley will not be on our list. But um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to give you a top three of what we think were the best years the Kings could have really made a change to the franchise. And then afterwards, we're going to give you some honorable mentions that didn't quite make our list and we'll kind of tell you why all right so we are going to start uh in 1985 we're going all the way back as far as we can go we picked 85 because that's when the kings came to sacramento um it just happened to be one of those ones that every kings fan brings up so 1985 the kings have the number six pick try tell us what we're doing with the sixth pick in the 1985 draft the kings select joe klein from arkansas Joe Klein's a 15-year NBA vet somehow. He career averaged 4.8 points and 4.1 rebounds. How do you go 4-4 four and four over f- and play 15 years? That doesn't make any sense. Because that was the 80s and 90s. Okay, fair enough. So we're not going to pick Joe Klein. Uh, we're going to pick the player that went 13th overall at a Louisiana Tech. Some known him as the mailman. He's also known as Carl Malone, the NBA's all-time point leader yeah. and dream team member. Carl Malone was a 19-year NBA vet, scored 25 points a game, and had averaged 10.1 rebounds. So if you do the math, that is quite a lot p- more points. Um, the number one pick that year was Patrick Ewan, and he only averaged 21 points over his career. So 13th was kind of a steal there for Utah. Absolutely. So Carmel is going to make a huge difference to the Kings. Um, it's their first year in Sacramento, and it's someone that's going to be playing in the NBA at a very high level until 2003. I think 2004 is when he retired, but he's making championship runs with the Lakers in 2003. So 
if you can last that long playing at a high level, it's going to make a big difference for your franchise. Well, not only that is, I mean, it's a guy that was very loyal to a small market team up there in Utah. And what's kind of funny is we were delving into everything Kings and it wasn't part of our, you know, little year range, but 1984, we also could have had John Stockton. So it could have been Stockton Malone in Sacramento instead of Utah, but we swung and missed. We got Joe Klein though, so that's all good. Now we're not done with 1985. Uh, we also um, in '85 we could have had uh, Chris Mullen, Joe Dumars, or Dallas Shrimp, or Charles Oakley, but we got Joe Klein. <laughs> but we fixed it. We got Carl Malone now. Uh, there was also a later round pick, Troy. Tell us what we did instead. With the 51st pick in the 1985 draft, the Kings select Charles Bradley who played zero minutes in the NBA. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, instead of picking a player that scored zero points, <clears throat> we are going to take a player who is a very exciting player. We're going to be taking Spud Webb. He had to get up to get down. He was a 12-year NBA vet, averaged 9.9 points a game. It somehow fell, well, obviously because of I'm thinking of his height. He was the 87th pick that year, so we, we had quite a pretty good chance of getting him there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now we got Carl Malone and Spud Webb along with Reggie Theus, who's there. Now we've got a pretty exciting team for 1985. Maybe the balls bounce a little bit different, but the Kings basically – don't make the playoffs from like 85 when they're there till 98. I think the Brian Grant, Michael, Michael, the animal Smith and Mitch Richmond team. So this should change the course of the Kings fairly significantly, maybe change around the, the feeling of what the Kings are. They're basically like the Clippers. Yeah. They're basically, you know, they might've had a, a small market Clippers. Yeah. Just, weren't very good for very long but again i mean new to sacramento so of course they still fill the stadiums and all that but getting a guy like carl malone and a guy who actually did play for the kings later in his career spud webb would have been pretty fun there in 1985 to go with reggie theus who was a heck of a king's coach also later in his life <laughs> all right so we're going to move on to our next one um we're going to move to 2013 or 2013, Kings had the seventh pick in the draft, another high pick. With a seventh pick in the 19 in the 2013 draft, the Kings draft Ben the Pizza Guy Macklemore. This one didn't turn out terrible. He never really lived up to the hype, the Pizza Guy hype that we gave him when he came in. He's still around in the league. I think he's on the Rockets right now. But every team that gets him is just kind of waiting for him to unlock the potential, and he kind of never did. But there is a player that did reach his potential that we are going to draft. He was originally drafted 15th, and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I mean, early in his career, obviously right now he's a seven-year vet, averaged 20 points a game, but he was a slow start to his career, um, 6.8 points a game in his rookie year. And last year, 29.6. So he grew quite a bit. He actually did grow. He grew three inches from the time he was drafted before the season started, which is an insane thing to have happen to you. And you kind of have to grow into your body at that point. He also put on a bunch of muscle. He was kind of gangly uh, when he was first drafted. And 
He's turned into a probably multiple-time MVP. We're assuming that he's going to win this next one. Maybe the defensive player of the year as well. So he's going to be your anchor on defense. He's going to score, what would you say, like 29 points a game. Um, that's a pretty big pretty big jump from the pizza guy. But I mean, you got to look, though. At the time, I don't think that Ben McLemore was a bad pick. And I don't think Giannis was a great, at the time, was was kind of a reach a little bit with Giannis, the way he played. I mean, like I said, he wasn't that great, but he just developed so much that that would have been a pretty good guy to have on the Kings. Well, he played overseas, too, and there's always some hesitation once you have Darko and the myriad of other uh, foreign-born players other than, like, Dirk and a couple more. Now, more recently, um, there's been a lot more, that, like Luca and a few, a few others that came through. Um, but at, in 2013, I can see it's a hesitation. And then he, and then he grows. But I mean, then I mean, you look at the Kings roster at that point. I mean, you got Rudy Gay, who at that time could fill it up. You had Boogie. I mean, you take a lot off of those two guys' shoulders. You know, maybe even give Jimmer, who was also on the roster. You know, give him a little love. I mean, he can knock down shots like a lot of the guys on the Bucks do now. So it could. Like we said, could have changed the Jimmer Kings. couldn't guard anybody, but when you have Giannis as the anchor on your defense, maybe it helps enough that he can at least find a rhythm and find a hold in the NBA. So it's a pretty good offense, or it'd be a pretty, it'd be a weird team, but I think it would be kind of fun. Um, I think it'd be good for Boogie to not be the best player on the team when he was healthy on that Pelicans team with Anthony Davis. He, he thrived. They had a pretty good run before he got hurt, so... I think that's best for him. I don't think that he is a um, leader of your team. He shouldn't be forcing shots because he's the only one that can make it, and I think he needs somebody like that in order to, to grow. Yeah, you're going to see that as a common theme when we talk about Boogie as a guy who forces shots late in the game because he felt like, and I mean, if you look at the rosters that we had, he was the best player on those teams. It's just he shouldn't be a guy trying to create a shot, being a point center. Right. So... That's a pretty good, pretty good upgrade when you go from the pizza guy to uh, Giannis. Yeah, it's pretty good. Hindsight again, twenty twenty. But right. that's not one where you're like on draft night. How did they not pick Giannis and they pick Ben McElmore? Yeah. Um. So we're gonna move on to our number one now. This is necessarily the one that Kings fans talk about all the time, but we thought it'd be a pretty significant upgrade and. If I was the time-traveling GM, this would be the one that we would go in and fix. 2012, Kings have the fifth pick in the draft. Troy? With the fifth pick in the 2012 draft, the Kings select Thomas Robinson, who's a five-year NBA vet who scored 4.9 points a game. He played a couple seasons in the NBA. He went to Europe. He's... Played pretty good in the G League. I think he's trying to make a comeback into the NBA. But when you're the fifth pick overall, that's not exactly what you want your career arc to be. Now, who we're going to pick instead, we're going to pick the guy that was one pick behind. So this one isn't even like that far out of the realm of possibility. And we're going to pick Damian Lillard. The guy's pretty good. Eight-year NBA vet, averaged 24 points a game. And the guy's just can fill it up. I, I love Dame. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. I mean, he hasn't really had too much help up there in Portland, but the guy can fill it up. I mean, they made it to the Western Conference Finals with not a lot. A lot he's more. been playing really good. He's super clutch. Seems like he's a good teammate. And 
again, loyal to his small market team. He wants to stay in Portland, which all the power to him. He's a he's a in the gym range kind of guy. He'll pull it up from the logo and just drain him. That's what I like about him. Right. Now the the other reason that we like the 2012 draft is because of what could have happened in the second round as well. So try let us know what do the Kings do in the second round in 2012? With the 36th pick in the 2012 draft, the Kings select Orlando Johnson, who is a three-year NBA vet who averaged 3.2 points a game. All right, well, instead of that, we are going to pick Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton went just three picks later in the 39th slot. Eight-year NBA vet, 16.3 points a game. And right now, one of Giannis's right-hand men over there in Milwaukee. Yeah, he's making all-star teams. He's made some all-NBA third teams. He's, he's very good. Another good scorer. Now, what happened in this draft? Instead of getting Thomas Robinson and Orlando Johnson, we just got two of the best three-point shooters in the league in 2012, right, as the league changes. So another huge part for that potential lineup that year we could have had um, Damian Lillard Tyreek Evans Chris Middleton Boogie and and Jason Thompson but we can't fix them all <laughs> I personally had uh, Middleton coming off the bench with Isaiah Thomas with John my favorite Solomon started in that lineup but anyway you look at it you know that's a nice little core right there you know as the NBA starting to change to just hoist it if you got it. I mean, having two guys that can make threes, which the Kings sometimes struggle to find on their roster, I think those would have been two huge, you know, just kind of franchise-altering picks. And I think that's the reason why we went with 2012 as our number one stunner. What, 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 what? Because they, those two picks were just so big. It wasn't just one pick that could have changed it. Right, and it also could have changed the careers of Boogie again. When he, he can go inside out, he can pass that. He's a pretty good passer from the post. He can pass it back out to Middleton or Damian Lillard. That's pretty good. Doesn't have to create his own shot a lot. Um, and also Tyreek Evans. I think uh, when you've got some other shooters and he's not having to force it down the lane, maybe maybe he doesn't get hurt and maybe this Kings team turns into something. If not, Tyreek and Jason Thompson and Boogie leave and we still have Middleton and Damian Lillard. And a lot of things can change for the Kings. Well, another thing, too, that's so hard about these draft picks is who knows if they would have developed the way that they did on the teams that they actually were drafted on. Who knows if they came to the Kings and just didn't develop into the players they were because it seems like a lot of our picks, you know, they seem like good picks and just don't develop there in Sacramento. Right. Chris Middleton might be one of those ones that doesn't quite develop the same in Sacramento, but... I'd still take him over Orlando Johnson. Oh, without a doubt. (laughs) All right, so that's our top three. We'll talk about some of our own mentions in here in a second. If you disagree with any of those picks, hit us up on social media at Spivey Special. Let us know what you think about that. Let's cover, cover a couple of these honorable mentions. Now, this first one is probably the most popular Kings fan fiction draft redo. We didn't choose it for a couple of reasons. We'll cover it here, and that is... um, Kings picking Tyreek Evans over Steph Curry. You know, at the time, you know, there was just so much going on. At the, I, I felt at the time in 2009 when we made that pick, it was actually a really good pick. You know, there's a lot of questions around Steph Curry at that time. 
Yeah, and uh, in the year that in uh, Tyreek's rookie year, he's one of five players to average twenty five and five as a rookie. Five and five, I think. Yeah, twenty five and five or twenty dash five dash five. Yeah. Um, on that list is Michael Jordan and a couple other pretty historic names that are on that list, and he was there. Now, the NBA changes shortly after that because of the player that we could have drafted instead, which is Steph Curry. But Tyreek was a really good player. He's rookie of the year. Maybe the ball bounces a little bit different. Maybe he doesn't get hurt. Maybe he doesn't have to play with Boogie, and maybe his career changes a little bit. Um, and he's still on NBA rosters. He can he can make a difference. Just his, his style of play just doesn't really exist. There's no room for it in today's game. Uh, again, though, you know, we draft Curry. Who knows what the offense that he's put in, the people around him, if he turns in. I mean, the guy could always score there at Davidson. Right. If you can score at Davidson, I think you could figure it out in Sacramento. Maybe. But he may not be an all-time shooter. They might not be able to get him free or take the pressure off. There's no clay. There's no Draymond. A boogie acts like Draymond. He just can't play like Draymond. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people think that that was probably the biggest. He big also had those ankle injuries early in the thing. The Warriors were on the fence to even sign him. That's how we ended up with that weird Kevin Durant signing because of the cheap Curry contract. But maybe he doesn't re-sign with the Kings. So, a lot of question marks there. We liked the Tyreek pick at the time, and he was on pace to be a really good player. So, um, I like the other three that we had over that one. But that one was in the rotation that we subbed out a few times. Yeah, so the next honorable mention we had was uh, we could have had Rajon Rondo over Scooby Dooby, Quincy Dooby. Or Kyle Lowry. Kyle, Kyle Lowry was a little slow, slow burn. He took a while before he really got his legs in the NBA, and I don't know that the Kings would have been the team for that. But um, 06 is this draft. This is the end of the baby run. We've got Ron Artest, Kevin Martin. Bobby Jackson's still on the roster, so they wouldn't. They didn't really need Rondo. Um, but had they drafted him, I mean, Bibby's gone in like a year. Bobby Jackson's gone within a year, even though they're still young. Maybe that team keeps going, and maybe we don't go full reboot, rebuild, blow it all up in 2006, and then keep doing full-blown blow it up for the next 15 years. So, Current. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I just like where that one was. I like the point of history of where that was. So we like the Carmelone one because it's the start of the Kings coming to Sacramento. The other two we picked is like right at the bottom where the Kings were bottoming, bottoming out and when they needed some juice to get back in it. But uh, I think Rondo could have kept that run going a little bit longer. Maybe they could have got some other free agents to keep it going. Well, that's another thing, too, is who knows if Rondo's going to develop there. I mean, when you start your career with three Hall of Famers on your team. It's pretty easy to get <laughs> I mean, 12 you, assists when yeah. you've got Kevin, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen on your team. But, yeah, that helps. Um, he has played well in pretty much every other stop, places, yeah. including the Kings, when he's way past his prime and slower than he was before. But um, that would have been a fun one as well. Next one, another one where we weren't completely sure that these players would develop the same way. Um, the Kings drafting Jimmer Fredette is, I'm, even on draft night, we were unsure about that one. He played good in a really small school. Um, didn't really play defense there, and that usually doesn't translate well to the NBA. Um, and he's just kind of weird. But the Kings could have had Kawhi Leonard, 
Clay Thompson or Jimmy Butler that year. Any of those makes a huge difference um, for the Kings. Now, each of those, again, were right situation at the right time. Kawhi gets to de- develop on that Spurs team with Popovich as his Duncan. coach, and he's got Duncan and Tony Parker and Ginobili to learn from. Um, and he fell for a reason in the draft. People were just unsure about his gameplay. Now he's turned into one of the best players in the league. Clay, again. You get drafted on a team with. I mean, early on in those Warrior years, he was always the trade bait to try to get somebody. They were talking about trading for Kevin Love or um, different things there. So he wasn't like the Hall of Fame shooter that he is now. And maybe he doesn't develop that way if he doesn't have Steph Curry teaching him the work ethic to be the all-time great shooter that he is. And then the other one's Jimmy Butler. Now, Jimmy Butler has the work ethic to act absolutely fit on the Kings, but he would have had to play with Boogie. And we're pretty sure there would have been like three fist fights a night if those two were teammates. I would have loved to watch Jimmy Butler and Cousins go out at every night. Yep. I wonder if you just, you wonder, like, something like that could just change, you know, Boogie. Right. Could have changed the whole work ethic of the team instead of changing coaches every year. Maybe Jimmy Butler is just yelling at these players until they're better. That's one of the things that I think about as we go through all these drafts and all these swips and all this is if we could have been at least decent if we would have ran through the coaches the way that we did or if another player of a high caliber came on the team with Boogie, they'd been like, no, just because Boogie wants that coach to go doesn't mean we're going to get rid of him. Right. Well, a lot of those coaches, to be fair, were out of the league shortly after that. So That's true. All right, the last one, I threw this one out to Troy um, because I really think as many times as we mentioned Boogie and these players fitting with Boogie, what if we just redid that draft? Now, the Kings did really well. Uh, uh, Boogie was really well, or really good. He's he's really good stat sheet-wise. He's made all-star teams. The Kings have obviously done way worse, like Quincy Doobie and Thomas Robinson. Everyone we've talked about. Pretty much every draft from, like, 2006 on was pretty bad. Um, They could have had Paul George. Now, I don't know what the fit is. When Boogie gets drafted on the Kings, that roster is just – it's a dumpster fire at this point. But Paul George might be something. He's a good teammate. He's a good defender. He's a good shooter. From from everything I've heard, he's a good teammate up until he started playing – whoopsie daisy around the league on teams but yep, he was pretty he was pretty committed to the pacers for a while too so i just thought that that made a pretty big would have made a pretty big difference culture wise i just don't think at the time he would have been on the team that it would have made that much of a difference they still would have been bad Less and th- i think getting Giannis, which would be the one we'd sum out is going to change your team more than getting paul george but then again you it's just you never know you know Paul George, I think, is a easier guy to build a team around than a guy like Boogie. That's true. And you think I don't, I don't know. I just never been a big Boogie guy. I just think that was the downfall of that stretch of the Kings is when we had Boogie on the team. Although very talented, very very difficult to put a team around or to even watch. Just the bad attitude and the lazy, not running back on defense and complaining about every foul call and. We're just not big boogie fans as we haven't <laughs> got on so far. Um, I think that was my number four. Um, but I like the three that we picked. I think those would make the biggest difference for the Kings. 
going forward. So to sum up again, our top three, number one, Damian Lillard and Chris Middleton. Kings could have had them in 2012. 2013, they could have had Giannis. Pretty big difference. In 85, they could have had Carmelo and Spud Webb. Each of those would have been at least much more fun teams to watch um, and significantly better teams too. So um, let us know what you think about our picks. Reach out to us on uh, social media at Spivey Special. All right, that is going to wrap up the show. Another fun episode in the books. Make sure to check us out on social media at Spivey Special on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Make sure to check out the show on YouTube if you want to see what we look like. For whatever reason, we've already told you not to. Check us out on YouTube. Also check us out on our website, thespiveyspecialpodcast.com. We're going to go ahead and put that recipe from the crazy bacon-wrapped grilled cheese we did today. And if we're still breathing by then, you know, we'll give you out all the pro tips there on the page and our rankings our one through five Spivey special rating system. If you find any of those fun recipes, again, tag us in them at Spivey special. I would love to eat slash make slash judge them. That would be awesome. Yeah. And the healthier, the better if you've looked at us, but do the opposite of healthy. Yeah. Unhealthy. Okay. Got it. Us. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, I think that's all we got. Troy, you got anything else? Zach, you're fat. Troy, you're fat. Later. Later.